Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good morning, and I am happy because I'm celebrating 24 years of sobriety today. This is my sober birthday, and you know, it was only after I got sober that I started to evaluate my life and my choices and wonder, wait a second, if I'm a kind person and I think that I love animals, why on earth am I eating them? or their byproducts, the breast milk of uh, another species. Uh, It all seemed very, very um, hypocritical to me once I got sober. So uh, now I am 24 years sober and about 23 or 24 years, 22 or 23 years sober from eating animals and their byproducts. And now I want to introduce a woman who is really changing the world. They call her the daring vegan, Danny Rukin. Let's hear from Danny about her journey to veganism because it's fascinating. Take it away, Danny Rukin. Hey guys, this is Rocco, another little veganish guy. And you know, like what Jane said, um, when you realize that it's hypocritical to be to know that your values are about compassion and you're about um, connection and you're about equality and justice, then if you're, when you become aware that you're eating animals and you're participating and responsible for all the things that has to happen to animals when you're exploiting them, then you're not in alignment with your values. And so I like what Jane said about sobriety because it really is an awakening. You know, when you hit bottom with the way you've been doing things and you realize that you really do have to change your behavior. There's a shift. There's just a a major shift. Vegans off the meat, join the vegan club. My journey is I was your typical steaks and chops, dairy loving, regular normal American who knew that there had to be, I just figured it was a necessary evil to, to eat meat. You just had to you know, just do it the best you can. And what happened for me is once I realized the the absolute horrors of what we were doing to animals, at first I was, my mindset was, this is wrong what we're doing to animals. But when I stopped eating animals, I realized the issue was much, much deeper. And the issue is, um, the issue is speciesism. And that is, it's the arrogance, that we have the arrogance that we determine what happens to animals uh, in terms of the way we use them, as opposed to any time that we need to be caring for any, any being that's more vulnerable than us, it's our responsibility, it's part of humanity to then take care of those who are less capable for whatever reason, in this case, we have, as humans, we have the ability to either do horrible things to each other, to other beings that are more vulnerable, or we have the ability to actually alleviate their suffering. We are the cause of most animal suffering. 
We are the main cause. We are, we're like a monster to them. And we can actually, we would be free as a, as a, as a species if we actually took care of those who rely on us. And the irony is that we're actually doing to ourselves what we think we're just doing it to the other whenever we're hurting somebody else to gain for our pleasure, for our convenience, for any selfish reasons. We're actually doing that same harm to ourselves. I want to show my T-shirt. Uh, you can't see it, but no difference. And um, uh, no difference between a cow and a dog. And I think that's the main issue is that why is it, like Melanie Joy said, that we, you know, love dogs, wear cows, and eat pigs. And once you realize that that's called carnism, that it's just conditioning, then you can make a different choice and you can choose compassion. All the things that most people are compassionate about, all, all it is is about extending your compassion to include animals. Any kind of issue of justice for women's rights, feminists, feminists say the oppression of other women by, by men is wrong. Well, the oppression, what we do to animals for dairy is exploiting the female reproductive system. So if you are a feminist, if you are for women's rights and you believe that it's wrong to exploit animals so that you can consume dairy, cheese, and other products, then you want to really take a look at yourself. Your story is fantastic because what you are talking about is a journey that all Americans have to take. Mm -hmm. And what I'd like to do is tell everybody who's watching that Danny's journey, Danny Rukin, the Daring Vegan's journey, is America's journey, is the world's journey. This woman was a militant meeting. And today, and today she protests outside the very dining establishments where she used to go and eat. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's fascinating that you experience this transformation and it raises hope that others can experience the same exact transformation. If I can do it, anybody can. And what Jane is saying is that, uh, is that some of the places that I've actually gone and protested, one in New York City I can think of, one in Portland, uh, I, I actually used to, I used to eat there and I used to eat animals there and it just was so ironic to be in there on the other side. And I know that as a patron, I would have had the same judgments and the same annoyance that when these people, these fanatics come in, it's like, why come into our restaurant? I'm a paying customer, I'm here to have an experience. If you have an issue with this, then just don't do it yourself or go out into some other place and, and, and you know be a voice for it. But don't come in and interrupt my world. And then I became on the other side because I realized this is, this is high stakes. You don't just, disruption is one of many ways, disrupt the status quo. It's one of the many ways to, to let people know this is not okay. This is not normal. We shouldn't just be sitting around, let alone eating animals, but even just eating anything and not pay attention to the fact that we are, this is a Holocaust. It is a Holocaust, which is a mass genocide of innocent beings who've done nothing to anybody. But even if anybody did do something, there is no justification for the, what we are doing to them. It's wrong. And what's interesting is people will say, you're disturbing my peace at a restaurant. But if you think about it, there is no peace at that restaurant to be disturbed. 
because scattered throughout the restaurant are dead body parts. Once you put on a pair of vegan glasses and start looking at the world through a vegan um, vision, you start seeing that, oh my God, everybody out there is deluded. They think they're animal lovers. They think they're kind and compassionate. Uh, In fact, I saw a young woman walking down the street and she wore this t-shirt that said kindness. And I said, oh, you're vegan, right? And she just looked at me in horror and kept going. Uh, Because the social pact is that you can call yourself uh, peaceful. You can call yourself nonviolent. You can call your, you can say ahimsa. You can push all that wrapping paper on yourself and you can still go and kill animals who are absolutely no different than your beautiful, loving dog at home. And if you did it to a dog, people would say you're a sadistic monster. If you castrated a dog without anesthesia, they'd say you're a sadistic monster. If you cut off this dog's tail without anesthesia, you'd say you're a sadistic monster. If you raped dogs and then stole their babies, uh, you'd say that person is a sadistic monster. And that's everything we are doing to billions, billions of cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, goats, and lambs, and yet we are saying that suffering does not count. That's the social compact, and you were very much involved in that social compact. And so I wasn't. How did you make that shift? What happened? Yeah, and before, I want to show people my T-shirt because it's really important. It's There is no difference. We, you know, we eat, we eat cows, we love dogs and we, or we wear cows, eat cows and we eat pigs. There's no difference. And if you just pull up Rocco for a second, again, I want to show, like Jane was saying, you know, they have snouts, we have noses, they have fur or feathers and we have skin, they have scales, they have paws. We have, we have hands and feet and hooves. There is no difference. They are feeling if you cut off, if you slit Rocco's throat, which is a horrible thing, it's the same thing as slitting anybody else's throat. So I just wanted to make that point because it Thank really you. hit home to me when I thought of that originally. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and this is your baby, Rocco, yeah. who um, is just, you know, uh, a sentient, beautiful being. Everybody understands that. Everybody understands in America they grieve over their dogs, grieve and cry when their dogs die. Oh, when I hear people go crazy like a dog is, is in a hot car, which is terrible, and at the same time, they'll post all over Facebook, I'm enraged, I'm enraged, there's a hot, and they know very well that I'm vegan and why I'm vegan and the animals, and then they'll go out for burgers and steaks and they will, uh, you know, they won't ask me out. I mean, you know, like, they don't want to be around me. They don't want to be around me, but, you know, get a dog in a, in a hot car and, Yeah. Now, let me say this. We have to hit the tipping point very quickly because seriously, we see that, you know, farmers who are also trapped in the factory farming system, they are now experiencing 500 year floods every couple of years. There are animals that they raise and they're trapped in these onerous loans. I've been learning more and more about this being involved with uh, Renee King Sonnen's Rowdy Girl Sanctuaries rancher advocacy program. That's a former cattle rancher who, with her husband, turned vegan, turned their Texas cattle ranch into an animal sanctuary, and now she's trying to help other ranchers do the exact same thing. And they um, are starting to learn that these ranchers make something like 37 cents a chicken. They are suffering from 
uh, health problems because they're walking around in these ammonia-filled uh, warehouses where you can't breathe. You literally have to wear a mask. They're victims of the industry. They're victims of the industry, and they a lot of them want out. Yeah. And so, you know, we are running out of time for many reasons. We're running out of time because of climate change. Animal agriculture is a leading cause. Many believe, and you could make a good argument, the leading cause of climate change. It is indisputably the leading cause of habitat destruction, which makes it the leading cause of wildlife extinction. And because uh, animals are so inefficient as food, they eat almost 40 times what they produce as meat or dairy. It's a leading contributor to human world hunger. So those who say to me, well, you know, I really care about children. Uh, you know, it's so I love your passion for animals, but I care about children. Well, if you cared about children, you wouldn't be eating the most inefficient food source that is robbing children who are dying of starvation as we speak right now of the food that they could be eating if we weren't using it to fatten up cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, and lambs. 70% of all soy is fed to factory farm animals. People uh, you know, are in denial about this. So when you made that switch, I understand that you were... Uh, working, you you become involved with elephant rescue. Tell me the the thirty second version of how you mm -hmm. went from elephant rescue over to um, yeah, not not elephant rescue, but oh. an elephant advocate. So uh, yeah, I elephant was my gateway animal. Elephants oh. were my gateway animal into veganism, and uh, <laughs> it was actually uh, just becoming aware of the suffering of elephants. That was basically it. He <laughs> might have to go down. No, that's okay. Uh, yeah. Once I became aware of what we were doing to elephants, you know, putting cat wild animals, holding them captive on the exhibit for education and conservation issues. I mean, taking them from their, uh, uh, natural habitats in Africa and Asia. Breaking them. What is that? Breaking, Breaking them. them. The crush. It's called the crush. Oh. And it's horrible. In order to domesticate elephants, in order for you to go on those elephant rides, they have to do really horrible things to these elephants when they're babies and, and they take them away from their moms. They put them in chains and they do horrible things. You can Google it in order to break that elephant so that it is docile uh, unless it goes crazy on you, you know, at the last minute. Because so they're not meant to be held. They're not designed for captivity, and they're put in these in zoos, made to look like they're really wonderful places. But if you look around, the the humans have this beautiful space, and then it's just like an, a sand lot or just a little garage or something. And, and one of the things I want to explain, by the way, uh, an amazing activist, Lindsay Baker, is watching and says, Hi, "So true. I was just at a free Billy protest. That's at the Los Angeles Zoo. Poor Billy has been there for." eons and uh, one of the reasons why they have the difference between a zoo and a sanctuary is a sanctuary is designed for the animals a zoo is designed to display the animals for people people's entertainment yes so they can't make the enclosures too large because the animals will walk away from the people okay so a sanctuary you can go to a sanctuary and i've been to many and you don't see the animals they're off in there doing whatever they whatever. want to do they're not they put on a little over. display case yeah so I wanted to say, I have a friend, she actually, I haven't had a chance to get back to her, but if you're watching, here, here it is. She, she, they have a child who's about four years old, and she is against zoos, but her husband really thinks zoos are great for kids so that they can learn about the animals. And I haven't had a chance to get back to her, but she wanted to know what's the case for not bringing the kid to the zoo? What can they do alternatively? And right off the bat, there are so many animal sanctuaries, accredited sanctuaries, where they can go see all kinds of animals, farm animals, all kinds of animals, 
in a beautiful space where they have their own, where they can choose, make their own choices. They're not there for the humans and they're not there as property and they're not there as a display and they're not there for profit. It's for the animals. Uh, uh, livelihood. It's for their life. So that's and the, the difference. And the other thing that distinguishes a zoo from a sanctuary, sanctuaries don't breed animals. That's right. They don't trade animals. I mean, sometimes Sell, they trade, might say, breed. oh my gosh, we can't adequately take care of XYZ um, bull or whatever. And they'll say, or whoever I should say, <laughs> correcting myself. And they'll say, is there a sanctuary better able to take care of this animal? But they don't trade them the way zoos do. They don't breed them the way zoos do. So it's there's no profit motive. It's simply to care for the animals. And often they've rescued these animals, almost entirely rescued the animals from horrific conditions. So you have places like Farm Sanctuary, um, Woodstock Animal Sanctuary. There are many, many sanctuaries people can go to to show their children here are animals, be kind to them without going to a zoo. In New York City, when I lived in New York City and I would walk my dogs in Central Park, people would come up to me with their kids and say, I'm looking for the zoo. And I said, I won't tell you. Oh, I will not Central tell you. Park zoo, yeah. yeah, I will not tell you because when I was a kid nice. and my dad would take me to the Central Park Zoo and I saw those seals uh, up there trapped in this little you know, display area and it made me so sad. I think that's one of the factors that made me an animal activist because I would just get sad and I was just seven or eight but I knew better dad didn't but I did so um I'll tell you what we've got a caller Lindsay Woodland Hills Lindsay your question or thought Lindsay well I just wanted to say first of all it's so good to talk to uh, to have to know that Danny is on today because I think she's an amazing activist as, as of course you are Jane but we were just at I was at a free billy uh, protest with Vanessa Marceau the other day, and one of the things I learned was, and it just really, it just crushed me, is that the whole, it looks, I think you brought this up before, but the whole area looks like it's beautiful and scenic, but actually, these elephants, I believe Billy's only on one acre, the whole elephant area at the LA Zoo is three acres, elephants typically roam 50 acres a day, and it looks pretty, and he's on only one acre, but it's electrified, so he can't root, uh, not root, but foliage and do all the things elephants do. And there's also chlorine in the water. And oh, it, just, uh, it just blew my mind. Also, so elephants I'm so are glad you guys are discussing this. They create waterways. They're meant to be out traveling up to 30 miles a day. We are literally destroying our planet in every way, including holding elephants captive. Yeah. Under and, the guise of, of uh, conservation. And uh, I want to say I invite That's the right. LA Zoo on to respond anytime. I know that Any it's zoo. a decades-long battle to free Billy, and uh, there's been an attorney who has worked very tirelessly for years trying to get Billy out. I mean, the, the entrenchment of these institutions, but it can happen. Look at Ringling Brothers. When I started Jane Unchained uh, in 2000, 2015, one of the first protests I went to was a protest against Ringling Brothers in Brooklyn outside a major stadium. And it was nine degrees. There were about 200 protesters there. No media coverage at all. And nobody was really documenting. It was before everybody started going live. Well, there wasn't any live in 2015, I don't believe. Anyway, in early 2015 when we were there. And I, I thought, this is why I have to start Jane Unchained. It just clicked. 
It's like nobody's documenting this. The news media isn't here. And I started to videotape in nine degree weather. We were all shaking. We were there for hours begging people not to go in. And I thought, is this going to happen? Is this is this even worth it? I mean, it's such a huge struggle. Guess what? Not, not I'm not taking any credit for this. I'm PETA and all sorts of other organizations work for eons to, to end uh, ringlings. But ringlings is out of business. Done. So change can happen. So awesome. these, these zoos, which uh, people say, well, you know, you're never going to end a zoo. They could transition to sanctuaries. Um, the theme parks could take these dolphins out of their... Uh, and there's whales out of their prisons and put them in uh, cove sanctuaries. Yep. There are things that can happen. But get, I want to also yeah. thank you, Elephant uh, Elephant Guardians of Los yes. Angeles. Um, yes. Yeah, thank, thank them cluster. too. Yeah, right. well, thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay is an amazing activist, great Jane Unchained contributor, contributor. always out there, and uh, we, we appreciate all your work so much. Um, but let's get from elephants to meat eating because there is a connection. I go to a conservation event, and the first thing I ask is, is this event vegan? Because a lot of conservationists are still eating animals. And when you look at what's really killing the wildlife off, yes, it's those horrible people who are shooting them and posing with them, but it's also people eating animals because forests have to be destroyed to grow crops to feed 70 billion animals that we kill every year. That's just land animals, up to 70 billion. Some say it's even more. I think more. about 45% of all of the earth is, is animal agriculture, 45%. Well, 45, okay, my understanding is yeah. that less than a third of the earth's surface is land. Of that land, 45% is agriculture. And of that 45%, 83% is animal agriculture. So it's using up a huge swath of arable land on earth and um and it encroaches on on uh, natural wild yeah. species yeah of course they're, when they're growing crops you you take a plane you see farmland 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 and you might say to yourself oh well we're feeding people but no you're feeding farm animals 70 percent, as i said of all soy goes into farm animals so when you think that you can eat an animal and still be a conservationist, no. When you no. think you can be an, eat an animal or byproducts and still be an environmentalist, you're just kidding yourself. It's a pose. And so we're trying to get people to get out of that pose. And I go to these conservation events that, um, Serving you animals. know, there's, there's fighting within the conservation events because some people have woken up and they're like, wait a second, we're holding an event to save tigers and lions and cougars and all these animals, but we're serving meat, that's a contradiction. And I know there's fighting within those groups because I've been there and I've seen people tell me, oh, you know, we fought for vegan, but they just did vegan options or they didn't do vegan. People need to wake up that this is destroying our planet. And so the elephants, if you love elephants, don't eat animals because to grow crops to feed the animals, the cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, and goats, they need to destroy the elephant's habitat. So that's that's the way it is. Uh, I think we were going to take a short break on Voice America Influencers Radio, and we will come back, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. So why don't we do that, A-Rod, back in the control room, and we'll come back in a couple of seconds. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. We are here with the amazing vegan, Danny Rukin. She is the daring vegan. And she hasn't been vegan that long, but when the light bulb went on and when she went from being a steak eater to uh, realizing, oh, my God, this is not in alignment with my values as a compassionate person, then she made what I would think is one of the fastest transitions to full-time activist, and now she's all over the world bringing compassion, protests, cubes of truth, vegan restaurants, veg fest to uh, people around the world through Jane Unchained and through uh, other uh, platforms. And one of the things we want to ask you is please share this video. You know, Rebecca says, love the dog. And everybody in America pretty much loves dogs. Maybe a tiny percentage. I have to tell you, when I was in the airport with Rocco just a few days ago coming to L.A., everybody, when I was walking him, it was like, I was telling friends, it was like walking with Brad Pitt. Because everybody would stop what they were doing and just stare. And they were staring at him, and they would go. They would go, "Puppy!" That's when you know I realized I was I wasn't walking with Brad Pitt. They go, "Puppy!" And then you know, almost pretty much every single one of them are eating animals, and these are good, decent people. So somehow making the connection with dog lovers, which are most people, when they make the connection that if you're if you love your dog and you're eating animals, it's the same thing. With the environment, environmentalists, if you love the planet and you're eating animals, it's you're do, you're actually destroying the planet. You're a big participant. And if you're a feminist and you're eating animals, especially dairy, most feminists. I, actually, we were just at a we were at a a women's march in Portland. It was like the annual women's march based on the big one that originally happened. 
And it was very much about intersectionality and, you know, justice for all and equality for all and, and um, compassion for all. And it was all about feminism. But when I, we brought our signs that um, feminists don't exploit other females and signs like that, and it really, women noticed. Women noticed our signs and our message because you cannot be a feminist and, ex- and eat dairy. You can't because dairy is the ultimate exploitation and, and of the female reproductive system. It's complete violence. Now, Karen Cruz says, I was at the San Francisco airport last month and they had a therapy pig and everyone went nuts. Pigs are, and it shouldn't matter, but they are more intelligent than dogs. They have the intelligence of toddler humans. And uh, when people actually see pigs, um, they love them because they're adorable. And they're not, you know, we, we, our language demonizes animals. So people call and they say, you're a pig. And I always say, don't say that. Or when I used to cover crime, people would call criminals animals. I said, what, what does that have to do with animals? Animals are realize, innocent. Yeah. Animals aren't sadists. We've got another call. Lisa Carlin, Thousand Oaks. Uh, what's your question or thought, Lisa? Hey, hi, hi, Jane. Um, uh, I just wanted to mention to everybody that on Monday night, April 15th, um, the Elephant Nature Park is having a fundraiser in Long Beach. It's dinner with Lek, and this is to raise money for this amazing organization in Thailand that rescues elephants and takes them from bondage to a sanctuary. And I'll send you the information. Maybe you can post it in the description. Of course. Of course. Thanks, Lisa. It's good to hear you. Yeah. This is Danny. And, you know, yeah, Lex Shylard, she runs the Elephant, uh, Elephant Nature Park in Thailand. And that, by the way, is where Brittany Michel- Michelson and I were both, uh, she's a well-known activist as well. And we met each other through the Elephant. <laughs> New elephants before I was vegan. She was vegan and she was very patient and loving with me. And now we're activist buddies. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody has a different gateway to veganism. Some love their dogs uh, and some love their cats and some love elephants and some love horses. I have a little horse statue there behind me. And what they're doing to the horses and bison in this country, if you love horses, I just read uh, an editorial in the New York Times, an op-ed piece about how the cattle industry is systematically trying to wipe out the bison, claiming that they have a disease that uh, can be transmitted to cattle, even though no bison has ever been convicted of transmitting the disease to cattle. But basically, they just want the grazing land. So they want these, they want the animals, the bison, off the range so they can put their cattle there. So every time you take a bite of steak, you're not just killing that cow, but you know the wildlife that they have to exterminate in order to get the cattle on that grazing land, that is the issue. And people need to, you know, think beyond this whole idea that, oh, well, it's just cow farts that cause, uh, you know, that that are animal agriculture's contribution to, to climate change. No, it's way beyond cow farts. It's all the feces that 70 billion animals produce Waste. that's producing, uh, polluting our waters. It's the fact that a vegan diet saves 600 gallons of water per day per person. And that's according to National Geographic. And we have a, a drought here in California. And, you know, I water my plants. And sometimes people look at me and they go, oh, you know, there's a drought. I said, you know what? <laughs> Did you eat a hamburger today? Because I saved 600 gallons of water today by um, eating a, a veggie burger so uh, I can water my plants. Um, so, you know, there's so many different things. But I want to talk about hitting the tipping point, hitting the tipping point 
this year. The Economist said 2019 is the year of the vegan. It's the year veganism is going mainstream. We want to hear your ideas as well. And Cynthia Cruiser says, yes, it's the main reason animal agriculture is the main reason for rainforest destruction. There are people and organizations that are going full tilt, save the rainforest. They never mention animal agriculture. Why? Because they eat animals and they don't want to have to look in the mirror. It's so much easier to point the finger at somebody else and say, you, you over there, you uh, politician XYZ, you're the problem. No, we've got to look in the mirror and realize that every choice we make as consumers, particularly with food, is a political, environmental and social make justice the connection. choice. Make the connection. If you are, if you are a feminist, if you're for women's right, for women's rights, you you really do have to look in the mirror because it's it's interesting because like feminists, environmentalists, they will be so fervent in their uh, in their attack on anybody who isn't who doesn't believe that that you know oppressing women is wrong, who doesn't believe that that climate justice is an issue. The minute you point out that eating animals to feminists, that eating dairy, they are now the oppressor, they're the bully, they're the, the demon in their eyes, they don't want to hear it. And I don't think we're ever going to heal as, as a species. I was at a party the other day, and there was a woman who happened to be gay, and somebody made a joke of, oh, we want to introduce the two of you because you both have something in common. And um, then they said, Jane's an animal rights activist. And she said, well, I don't have anything in common with that. I'm a gay activist. And I said, oh, we have a lot in common. Oh, lot. I said, did you know that all the animals that you eat are raped? They're not making love in these factory farms. And their babies are abducted from them. And then they're all killed. I said, that's the ultimate patriarchy. And of course, she looked at me like she just stared at me in shock for a couple of seconds and didn't know what to say. And then she laughed awkwardly. But you know, we need to get um, people in the LGBTQ community. Yeah. It's all about extending your compassion beyond uh, the reach of your own fingertips. I often say, you know, people who decide that they're going to fight for something, often it's when a family member or they themselves have been victimized by that. Like Tom Brady, okay? Tom Brady, the Brady Bill, fighting against gun violence. Well, he was shocked. Yeah. Okay. He had to be shocked. Man, mothers against yeah. drunk driving. It's because their child was hit by a drunk driver. And wait, I, yeah. I applaud that. Oh, because I love it. It's incredible. And, and those are my heroes. Absolutely. I'm not saying that what they're doing is wrong. No. Uh, and it was a great way, for example, for the woman who founded Mothers Against Drunk Driving to take her grief and turn it into Channel action. It into and she's a hero who saved literally millions of lives. However, the reason I bring it up is that this is the first social justice movement that cares about a species, not our own. So it really requires us taking that beyond humans, way beyond humans, and showing our compassion to another species. And it's not just species. It's the whole idea, I think, what you're getting at is to take your compassion to anything, anybody, anything that is not you or somebody close to you. Because most people wait until it happens to them or somebody in their s small sphere. And I think what's special about uh, animal rights activists is the one thing we have in common is that we're fighting for, for justice, for equality, for compassion, and for everything else, for the rights of another being that it does not affect us, although it does. It's really not about the animals, even though it is. Our ability to 
uh, extend everything that we want for ourselves and those who are close to us to include everyone, 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 including animals, that's when we're going to heal ourselves and the planet. Because otherwise, then we still have us and them in our hearts. And that's never going to, it's never going to bring us peace. So how are we going to hit the tipping point this year? Because we're running out of time. And as I mentioned, the economist said, this is the year veganism is going mainstream. No, uh, there's uh, just like our society is polarized. I think there's an increasing polarization over animal agriculture. I'll use the Los Angeles Dodgers as a perfect example. Now, um, the Dodger dogs come from pigs And we bear witness at the slaughterhouse near downtown L.A., right near Dodger Stadium, where the pigs go to be slaughtered. And let me tell you, it's just like looking into the eyes of this beautiful dog or looking into the eyes of a little kid, a child, because they're babies. They're reportedly approximately six months old. They're definitely babies. Baby pigs go into slaughter. And when you look at them and you make contact with them and they're so thirsty and they go, the trucks pull up and we bear witness – it's a punch to the stomach. And then they end up being Dodger dogs and pe- happy people go in and they, um, they have their Dodger dogs thoughtlessly, not, not really coming to grips with the suffering that entailed. However, let's give the Dodgers some props. LA, some of the LA Dodgers have gone dairy-free and there's also a dairy-free Dodgers t-shirt that you can order, which I am going to order, even though I don't need another t-shirt, but it's so important. So you have this divergence occurring. And I also want to mention that DXE, Direct Action Everywhere, I believe more than once, went onto the Dodgers field while a game was happening and literally went out. Activists and activists went out there with a, you know, with a banner and, of course, got arrested and got dragged off. But it's pretty dramatic and it brings a lot of attention to all the millions of people who are watching. So direct action everywhere. Direct action is one of the many ways to get attention. And, you know, um, our movement is nonviolent. We have there's no report ever of uh, anybody in the animal rights movement ever killing anybody. It's the ultimate nonviolence because the movement's all about nonviolence. But some people become outraged and they go, how dare they? This is, they confuse conflict with violence. Conflict is saying, hey, we're going to let you know that something hap- that's happening here is, is morally wrong. And we're going to do it in a way that gets your attention. Just like the suffragettes, okay, before women got the right to vote, a universal suffrage in 1920, They surreptitiously went and voted and they were all arrested. And the article in the New York Times actually made fun of them and called them something to the effect of the little ladies. Um, And then now the LA, the New York Times, I meant, the New York Times is going back through its prior coverage and realizing where it minimized, dismissed, and trivialized very important social justice movements. And they're doing the same thing to animals now. So uh, if the New York Times exists, 30 or 40 years from now, they'll look back and they'll write Mm -hmm. articles about how, wow, we really missed the boat uh, on climate change and animal agriculture. Any resistance movement is always made fun of in the beginning and seen when it's not the status quo. And also a lot of times those who disrupt nonviolent activists, animal rights activists who disrupt, they're very, they're very nonviolent inside. Whereas people who maybe not aren't doing anything about it, they can have a lot of unexpressed rage that becomes bitterness and resentment. So uh, direct action does not equate with violence at all because it's nonviolent and it's also nonviolent internally. Yeah, because you're doing something about it. You're not just yeah. being angry. 
Um, and being angry doesn't really make anything better. People mm -hmm. don't listen to people when they're angry quite often. And usually when we're angry, if you go beneath the anger, we're hurt. And it's healthy to be outraged when something is unjust and unfair and wrong. It's absolutely healthy to be outraged. Then take that outrage and channel it into something that would be effective for the animals rather than just staying right and outraged and right and right about your outrage. So let me ask you, you run activist trainings. You just did one that was attended, very well attended by something like 45 people. What is your bottom line message for those who are watching who are already vegan? Because yes, it's great to go vegan. Yeah. And I don't care what you call it. You could call it plant-based you could call it, blah, blah, blah. I, it's not about a word. I, yeah. I don't care if the word vegan was ever uttered again. If it's a word that triggers you, yeah. then call it plant-based. But what is your primary message for those who are plant-based, who are not eating animals or their byproducts anymore? Because we need all those people to now become activists. We do. We do. And I want to say, so a couple things that I do is I, I have a Speaking Truth to Power workshop that I did at DXC last year, uh, ALC, the Animal Liberation Conference in Berkeley last year. It's coming up again at the end of May. There's still time to go. It's amazing. You can learn how to do more activism. It's very welcoming, very inclusive, and it's every kind of non -experience, no experience to very experience, and it's an amazing experience. Anyways, in Berkeley, in, I did that workshop in Reykjavik and Amsterdam and other places and then I recently for our Portland animal activist community uh, gave a workshop on compassionate communication the fundamentals of authentic connection and I think I want to acknowledge that one of the things I think for us who are advocates for animals who are trying to be a voice for animals who are the voiceless they have a voice we're just not listening is that I think three things happen for us that create compassion fatigue or just create just a lot of pain and suffering for us, which is number one, first of all, as vegans, we are aware of this unbelievable, unimaginable suffering. What they're going through, it's unspeakable and it's unimaginable what we are putting animals through every single day. The, the gravity and the immensity of it all is more than any of us can bear, really, if we didn't have each other. So I think the fact that we have to have that secondary PTSD of the trauma of the violence, that's number one. Number two, we're also... There's so few of us who really understand what's happening. So we're then living in a world where about 95% of us, if that, understand what's happening. And everybody, the rest of the world, everybody's just going about their day as if nothing's wrong. It's like being in the middle of, you know, a Holocaust, which it is. And then the third part is that when there is infighting, which there is with any kind of, you know, I, for a living, I do work for, I work with, you know, in work cultures with individuals, teams, and organizations. There's always going to be conflict and conflict is healthy. It's normal. The, the aspect is, is that when you're making the other part wrong. So in the community, the third aspect is that, when there's infighting, we don't realize it's okay to have different perspectives. It's okay to, to be at different levels or to have different understandings of how things should go. It's about welcoming in everybody's viewpoint and experience and not being so quick to think that you're right and they're wrong because our biggest strength is in unity and solidarity. Mm -hmm. We have a yeah. fight to fight. The biggest thing that the meat and dairy industries want is for us to infight. To, to infight. Yeah. So those are the three things that and, I think can cause a lot of exhaustion. And also give people a chance and organizations a chance to improve. Yeah. You know, people make mistakes. Organizations make mistakes. When they acknowledge they made a mistake and rectify it, then move on. Move on. And not don't, only don't that, say, I hate XYZ group. Yeah. I used to like it, but now I hate XYZ group. Yeah. That is not 
helpful to the movement. Everybody is in this movement because we want to save the world, save humans from disease, and, and save, save us from ourselves. Yeah. Save us from ourselves. And I want to say something to that about um, that also the reason why you can easily find mistakes in others who are doing something about something is because they're doing something. Yeah. They're out there doing something. Yeah. Whereas it's easy to be an armchair, just go to one thing and then cr criticize. Yes. There's, there's a saying, no one's ever erected a statue in honor of a critic. Yes, so exactly. So get out there. Assume the best of each other. If you're going to assume something, because we are as human beings, we're, we're addicted to uh, we're addicted to low-level consciousness. And it's up to us to take responsibility. It's an inside job to raise our level so that we, if you're going to assume something about somebody, assume the best. Treat everybody at their best, and they usually rise to that. I agree. And, uh, oh, we've got Elizabeth Alfano, who's an amazing contributor. I can't wait to meet you, Elizabeth. Not backwards. It's easy to take the back seat and criticize. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, I put something up on Jane Unchained because we cover all organizations. And um, so almost always somebody will call and say, why are you covering that group? Because that group did me, 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 me. And finally I put up a, a position paper or a – a policy on the website and I said if you have a problem with a group or an individual that we're covering you can call the police or you can hire an attorney <laughs> leave us out of it now obviously the caveat to that the exception would be if there's something happening that could endanger let's say you know animals or something where somebody's purporting to run a sanctuary and they're not and then yeah you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. but the general yeah. rule is Let's be positive. Let's be unified. And I want to say what Elizabeth, I love that, Elizabeth. Onwards, not backwards. You know, it's such a great, I agree with that. Onward, onward. I remember Oprah Winfrey once said that, you know, one of the things she does is it's, it's as if you're, if you're on a crew team and you're rowing, you don't look back to see what everybody else mm -hmm. is doing. You just keep going. You stay present. And you go forward and stop judging and criticizing and resenting. You can't have empathy and compassion while you're resenting, criticizing, and judging other people. Yes. And um, I, I want to say that uh, there is this phenomenon, sort of the number one hero. Everybody wants to be the number one hero. And it's ego-based. Ego. Frankly, somebody come along and do Jane Unchained better than me. Because I've been working for 40 years with probably five lunches in that whole time. I'm exaggerating Seriously. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I like stop. to be out on the beach reading a trashy novel and eating vegan bonbons. I'm doing this because it has to be done. When I see other uh, media come up, like Live Kindly, woo, way to go. I love Live Kindly. Like The Dodo, woo, way to go. Like a World Animal News by Katie Clary. Whoa, way to go. Plant-based news. Plant-based news. Klaus Mitchell and his whole team. Yeah. Way to go. Everybody. I want to see more and more and more. One of the things I say when I go out is do it yourself. If you don't want to be a Jane Unchained contributor, go live. Every time you go live, you're liable to hit another hundred people. And if one person gets the message and that person goes vegan, you've saved thousands of animals right there. And like we, Danny, yeah, I, we yeah. both went to a march the other day that started at the PETA Center, uh, organized by Vegan Propaganda, a very good and group. And Direct Action Los and Angeles. And Direct Action Los Angeles. Collaboration. And collaboration. collaboration with PETA. And it was a good group. Now, I was live, so you're a contributor. You couldn't go live, but you went live on your own page. And then I was looking at your page, and I saw the video. And I was like, great. We had So it's, it's really about everybody doing everything they can. Let's not sit around and have a circular firing squad. Let's be 
activist and active for the animals. I agree. And I want to acknowledge Lisbeth. Hi. I love Lisbeth is amazing because she does a lot of uh, she does a lot of activism in the Latino community. And so she does bilingual outreach. She does bilingual uh, influencing on the media. And I just think she's great. And you might want to uh, interview her and her sister, Mariana, because the, her sister first went vegan. I tell, you know, Elizabeth, you can correct me if I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But her sister went vegan a few years ago, and Elizabeth was not vegan at all. They both have kids. Liz, uh, and eventually, Elizabeth got it. And her kids are vegan. Now all their kids are vegan, and they even came to my workshop. I want to so give a shout-out to my sister. I was with her last night, and... Uh, my sister is uh, has asthma, and she also has brittle bones, and so she she's she drinks uh, a lactate type drink. And I've been trying to get her for years to switch over to plant based milk. She said to me last night, "I am now mixing almond milk with my wow. dairy based milk to try to get off of it." True. Now I was so happy about that because, as they say in twelve step, it's a process, not an event. Applaud people when they make those progressions as opposed to saying, well, you should be 100%. Why are you waiting? You know, and it's taken me, I'm talking to myself because I've been judgmental and scolding. It doesn't work. You know, it's like, yes, I was shamed into going vegan. I personally, but that maybe that's just me. <laughs> but I was shamed by a fourth generation cattle rancher named Howard Lyman who I interviewed as a journalist, and he said, I hear you're a vegetarian. I said, yeah. He said, do you eat dairy? I said, yeah. And he pointed his finger right at me with his publicist, and they said, liquid meat. And I went vegan like that. So I was shamed into it, but not everybody's going to respond that way. We have to encourage people as they go vegan-ish. I would not have gone uh, vegan if I were shamed into it. Everybody's different. That's why we just got to try different things. Don't knock each other for anything. I love, love with Elizabeth Alfano. I can't wait to meet you because I love your come from. We all have different natural skills and talents and abilities. And just focus on what you're good at. Develop yourself what you're good at and collaborate with others and bring out the best in others what they're naturally good at and then we will be the most that's what makes us effective for the animals and also Lisbeth she just said Mariana was uh, vegan for five years all their kids and you know what else they do they post the pictures they post pictures of all their Latin food of all their dishes and they show the veganized version and it is so simple and I can't see Lisbeth your whole uh, it doesn't show me your whole um, spiel there but yes, it'll be two years for your family, your hubby and two girls. It's amazing. I, yes, people respond best to encourage. I also want to say oh, that today is the kickoff of the countdown to Veg Fest LA, which has a Latin theme this year because it's happening on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. So a very easy way to remember it. It's where the 405 and the 101 meet, Woodley Park. It's going to have incredible speakers including um, the new head of Mercy for Animals, Leah Garces, Jean Bauer of Farm Sanctuary, Renee King-Sonin of the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, um, Simone Reyes of Social Compassionate Legislation, Judy Mancuso of Social Compassionate Legislation, Amy Jean Davis of Los Angeles Animal Save, Ellen Dent of the Animal Alliance Network. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Lisa Carlin is running a... Um, vegan kitchen where there's going to be huge food displays. Uh, there's going to be the new TV star, um, Mario, who has 
Trying Vegan with Mario, which is a TV show. He's going to be there. And Chef Babette is going to be there. It's going to be off the charts. So mark your calendar, uh, May 5th, Veg Fest. And the countdown starts today, April 1st, in 35 days. Cinco de Mayo, Veg Fest will be happening. Uh, 20,000 people expected, hundreds of food booths and other booths. Um, it's a great place to go and just literally click, click, click. You will become an activist. So uh, very, very exciting. And Elizabeth Alfano is going to be moderating a panel called Wonder Women of Animal Rights. And I'm going to be moderating a panel as well. So it's going to be very, very exciting. So we have to wrap it up. I'll give you the final word, oh, Danny. Uh, final word. Let's see. Even the smallest step can help. Wear a vegan t-shirt or hat. Yep, I got my vegan t-shirt on. If people didn't see it, I think this one, I always have new ones, but uh, I got it. Um, there's no difference if you love dogs. I can't even tell the difference this, this way. So if you love dogs and eat cows, rethink that. And it's, it's really true. Once you go vegan, it even opens up your compassion even more once you stop eating animals. And share this video. Again, somebody watching it who, you know, everybody knows, okay? I'll give you an example. It's kind of a controversial example. Uh, I'm gay, okay? And I was in denial for many years. But I knew. I knew on some level, okay? And uh, then, you know, as society changed, thanks to people like Ellen, I felt the courage to finally come out. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Does she need, does her last name need to be? Yeah. But um, it's the same thing. Everybody knows on some level, everybody knows they're killing and that it's not necessary. Come out, come come out, out, come out, wherever you are. Thank you so much. (laughs) See you next time. Woohoo! Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.